This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to the Toast. Happy Hump Day. It is a Wednesday. Hope everyone is getting down, getting dirty, humping someone they love. Speaking of people I love, hey, Jax, good morning. Good morning, McClurdia. Happy hump day to you and yours. I hope Thank that you. you're celebrating safely. I am. I'm celebrating hump day by recurring with McClurdia. You're recurring with McClurdia? Yeah. I thought I'm recurring with McClurdia. I think we're all recurring with McClurdia because I'm not McClurdia. Like McClurdia is like a separate being. You know? Yeah, you told me the funnest fact the other day. <gasps> yes. That when you did your show in Nashville and everybody came to the meet and greet, every person walked up to you and called you McClurdia. Jackie, uh, like, first of all, I've never seen something that we do catch on so quickly. Yeah, especially because it's not been really rolled out in any sort of major we didn't way. We make it like a, re- a big deal or anything. I kind You've of just like, been calling me McClurdia. Yeah, and I, I kind of like admitted a few months ago that that's what like I've been whenever I think of Emily Radikowski's ex-husband like I always think to myself like Sebastian McClurdia don't ask me why <laughs> and I admitted that on Breaking Bread where secrets went to be shared secrets and revealed it really resonated with people because now that's your name Jackie they walked into the meet and greet they were like McClurdia I was like what that is so funny and I'm so overjoyed to hear this. So am I. I'm also overjoyed because today, finally, a secret project in the making for nine months Ten, has, really. has finally been shared with the world. Jackie and I have known for a long time and for some of us, me, it's been extremely difficult to keep this secret to myself, but I did. If you follow our sister Olivia on Instagram, you know that she gave birth to her second bebe, a bebe boy, we, that's why I'm coming um, down this week. I kept talking about my trip, and I was like, I wonder if people are going to be, like, questioning my trip. You know, but no, nobody I did. think nobody will ever question when you're coming to see your best gal. Now they will. And to podcast in front of the flamingos. Like, you're doing it for the flamingos. But I'm also doing it for my new nephew, our new nephew. Our, I'm an auntie once again. I'm back on the auntie train. Uh, you're an auntie once over. Choo-choo. Chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-choo-choo. Chugga 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 choo choo. The Anti Express is on its way to Florida tomorrow. Don't count out yet, Anti. That's the thing. I feel like people are constantly counting out that Antis, and they shouldn't be. Yeah, I feel like for you, your Anti 
isms have been record high. You know, Rold was born this year. He became an auntie again. But like, I haven't been an auntie since Kaylor was born, you know? And like, then before that, it was Bruno joined the family. So like, I really haven't had like fresh auntie. Who's older? Kaylor or Magnolia? Their birthdays are one day apart. I have literally no idea. And one thing about me, I feel like this is a good time to share since you brought it up. One thing about me is like, I literally do not know my nieces and nephews' birthdays. Like, I know the month and, like, the general, but, like... Vicinity. Let me think. Michaela's birthday is in May. hmm And I want to say it's the 21st. No. I think that's it's Magnolia's not. birthday. Michaela's the 22nd. Okay. And Roldini's birthday, I know, is in February. And I'm going to go with the 12th. 13th. You're just, every time you have your guests, just add one. Okay. I like was thinking that this morning or yesterday because someone was like, how old is Michaela? I was like telling a friend of mine that Olivia had given birth. And I'm like, that's an amazing question. Let's do the math. And I could not remember her birthday. That's so funny. Do you know Bruno's birthday perchance? You don't even know Bruno's yes, birthday. Do. Of course I know my boy, my firstborn. Well, well, then you let the day go by without acknowledging it because the most recent of Bruno's birthdays, I was at your house and you come into my room at midnight and you were like, by the way, it was Bruno's birthday today. Yeah, we were going through a lot of change here. Bruno understood. Bruno did understand. And so when were you at my house? August? Yeah. 17th. 15th. Pretty good. Wow. That was like a total blind guess in the dark, honestly. Gorgeous. So much Simcha and Mazel here in our family. Thank you, everyone who's reached out with the kind words, not to make everything about us, but um, Olivia, like, it's kind of like giving Kylie energy. Like, it's giving Chloe, you know? It is. It's been so, it's been so, uh, like, on the DL, obviously, but she's just been, like, living her life and just hadn't said anything publicly. I actually was with her yesterday, and she did say, like, she is so willing and excited to share her story on the Patreon, like to talk about one, her birth story and two, like why she never shared it publicly that she was pregnant all this time. So that will be upcoming whenever she is ready for it. But like, she's like ready to go. She's ready to to chat. Speaking of Patreon, the fact that we're going to be together starting tomorrow means the Patreon is going to be absolutely lit. Florida vlogs, Florida pods, Florida tings. Florida chili. Florida chili. Maybe we'll do another great chili cook-off. When Ben's here. Right. Ben gets there like a few days after me. I think I could handily defeat him. I don't think so. Handily. I don't think you could. Ask the Shapiros. They were chowing down on my chili. And that's also why I've been cooking so much is because like Olivia's always the one cooking. But you know, in these last few weeks, like I thought I would, you know. Help out. Help out. Yeah. Um, Nourish I think that you could, I think that now if you watch the great chili cook-off, you do know that Jackie like very bizarrely made a vegetarian chili. I wasn't comfortable cooking with meat just yet. Meat is so, fucking scary. Like you didn't oh my even God. stand a Someone chance. tagged me in the funniest meme today. It, like I, I saw it as I was waking up, so it didn't register, but it's just coming back to me. And I'll, I remember it now. It's like, she's a 10, but she overcooks her chicken because she's scared it's going to be raw. No, totally. And the caption was like, it might be dry, but at least it's safe. So true. That's literally me. But with the OG chili cook-off, like you truly didn't even stand a chance because no, like you're a vegetarian. So I don't know if you could beat Ben, but you can compete. Like you now definitely like are going to give him a run for his money. But he makes chili so frequently and he's been doing it for so long. And like, I don't know, it's going to be really tough to beat him. 
I don't know. I just feel like I have this passion for chili as seen in my mentions because I only get tagged in chilies now. Like chili everyone content. makes a chili. They tag me. Like if I just want to go on chili inspo, just look through my mentions. Um, and I just feel like that comes through when I'm cooking. Whereas for Ben, 100%. as stated, it's like day rigor, another day, another chili. What are we making? The today? passion is there. And I just feel like you can taste the heart and soul in mine because I put my foot in it. I put my foot in it. Um, so make sure you're headed over to patreon.com slash toast to not miss out on all the family fun happening this month. Yeah, there's going to um, be a lot. And we are doing two Q&As before all of yes. that starts. We always do a few general Q&As every few months to like catch up with your girlies and we always answer them together. But we had a little bit of a different idea because I feel like these days the questions for you and I are different. We're different Just girls. Just a little. Just a little. So we're going to do like Claudia interviewing me with your guys' questions and me interviewing Claudia with your guys' questions. So it's more tailored. It's very Diane Sawyer. Very. And speaking of Diane Sawyer, we've got a fab episode today. It's Wednesday, which means we have Dear Toasters. And we've got three girlies who have found themselves in unique situations. Oh, really? So I'm looking forward to being able to change lives at the end of today's episode. And I hope you'll join us. I do hope you will. There's also no TV recap because there was nothing on TV last night. I've been watching The Empress, another two episodes. Just so delectable. I finished that book you recommended. Okay, you can bash me in a second. Let me just I'm not going to bash. You can share your thoughts in a second. Let me just talk about The Empress because it's really like renewed my interest in European royalty. I feel like it was laying dormant for a while, but now I've been like reactivated and I'm just like in my sleep. You know when you watch something, you read something like you sleep in dream about it as you toss and turn you're just like in in the Austrian empire a hundred percent and that's where I am right now and I just love it so like I love it so much and even when I was like in my thoughts in my dreams and like being like confused it was a a good place to be so I feel like I'm gonna go back down the rabbit hole once I finish this show and I would recommend it to anyone who has a any inkling for historic for the history um, I did finally finish the Redheads book of the month that you and Margot thought I would like. I gave it three stars. It was far too long and truly, truly pointless. Like, I, like, what was the point? What was the plot? Like, I wasn't sure, like, what, if someone were to be like, what's this book about? I would be like, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's about a strong female protagonist making her way through a man's An world. unfriendly time for women. Okay. Just for me, that's not like a strong enough plot. Um, the book was and, fine. Right. And so based on the plot, I, that's why I wouldn't have recommended it to you. But I was okay with you reading it because I thought, one, the writing is really strong. Like, it's well written. Yeah. Two, for me, like, Mad and 630 are everything. Like... Not mad. She was just like a little version of her mom. And oh, they were both I like love a little a, annoying. I always love a precocious camper. Um, I just thought it was fine. Like, I'm, I'm surprised that you guys all loved it so much. Like, it was fine. I I thought it was really, really good. But I understand. I, I don't know that I would have vehemently recommended that you read it. But I'm glad that you did. It, isn't it fun to just, like, branch out a little bit? And then it reminds you why you love the things that you love. <laughs> That's for sure. Also, my next book um, I'm going to start today, which came out yesterday, is the um, It Ends With Us Second book, it's called It Starts With Us. Colleen Hoover released it yesterday. Did you see that profile on Colleen Hoover in the New York Times? No. 
It was insane. It was filled with such juicy information about like how many books she sells. You know, book numbers are totally private. Like, yeah. you know, like the Bible sells a lot, but if like your favorite influencer writes a book, like you don't know how many copies they actually sell. So they had like full blown figures. It was so interesting. You know, in the last year she sold 20 million books. That's more than like the top three w books that sell every year is like the Bible, like John Grisham or something. Like the top three books, she has sold more than all of them combined. Um, she had like the pre-order for it ends with us. Like the first printing is two and a half million copies. It's just crazy. And it like how she's really re like not only changing the publishing industry, but changing how people think about like romance writers, because like, I think for a long time, romance writers were considered like, you know, like Danielle Steele, like, like not serious authors. Yeah. And she's really changing that narrative. It was an incredible, I mean, obviously I didn't read it. I saw like TikTok summing it up, but it was an incredible profile. And I'm so happy for her. like, yes, Colleen. Yes, Colleen. I haven't even heard about it, but I will definitely check it out. I love some facts and figures, but it's not surprising at all. Like when you look at the New York Times bestseller list, and sometimes I, I'll look just to see like what's trending, if there are any books that look good that I haven't heard of. Um, she is all over it. And I also feel like because the list is editorialized and they pick and choose, I feel like they're also cut, like making it, they're not giving her any higher accolades than she has. If anything, I feel like they might be taking some of her books off because the whole list would be co would be her. And that's like not what the list is about. It's how people discover books and new authors and everything. And I, I actually feel like they're probably editorializing it like not in her favor yet I she still agrees the way that the New York Times bestsellers list like really has nothing to do with how many books you sold is something I only recently learned as an author and I'm like this is fucking bullshit and like you see books that have been on there for two like Obama's book is still on there like I have a hard time believing I think when it when it was released like millions and millions of copies were sold but like years later every week still selling 10,000 copies like that's the kind of like the minimum amount you need to get on the list like I don't believe that I don't believe that about green lights either by Matthew McConaughey like I don't think people are still in droves 10,000 books a week so the fact that the New York Times bestsellers list isn't based on numbers and is solely based it's based on numbers, but also like their opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't really think that's fair. And that's why like they don't get as much credence. Like if you make the USA Today bestsellers list, like that's a huge accomplishment as well because those numbers, those charts are based on actual sales exclusively, nothing else. Yeah, like I think there's a number of books that you can sell that like even if you're, you know, an unsavory person, New York Times has to add you to the list. And then I think there are uh, yeah, also me. authors who who undersell, but they are darlings, and you know everyone's Media there's darlings, a lot of like industry them. hype for their book, even though like no one wanted to really buy it. Um, and those people will make the list, and so there's a lot of that. But then also they're so fucking shady with their daggers. Uh, this is a deeply con personal conversation. I know because they say like if your book has a dagger next to it, then you click the dagger, and like at the bottom it says like they notice a trend of like bulk buying and that like kind of it's like shady to be like oh they bought their way into being on the list it's basically saying you bought your your own books but I just like find it really coincidental all the people who have daggers you know okay so let me say I only found out what the dagger was I think like most normal human beings from younger um that girl Quinn and like had a dagger so I was like oh my god dagger and then when I used to like follow like celebrities and influencers books I would be so interested to see like who got a dagger and I was like I would be like, oh my God, they have a dagger. Shady, they bought their own book. And then my ass gets a dagger. Um, I literally have the phone call recorded with my publisher where she was like, you made the New York Times. I was like, yes, yes. She's like, number 12. I'm like, yes, yes. She's like, they did put a dagger though. I'm like, what? It like undermined the entire accomplishment. 
And when I say I swear on my fucking life, I didn't buy my own book. Like, I don't have to. I have proof from Amazon. I, in my pre-sale and my first week, like, let's say it. Like, I sold almost 30,000 books. Like, that, to make the list, you need to sell around, like, eight. To be safe, 10. Your ass, my ass sold 30 between audio, video, not video, audio, ebook, ebook. and hard copy. Like, so I have nothing to be ashamed of. Like, I sold my own motherfucking books, bitch. And I said to my publisher, I'm like, first of all, can we reach out to the New York Times and ask, like, for clarification? Like, wh where? Where are these bulk sales coming from? And, of course, they never responded. And my publisher was like, well, it might have something to do with this um, meet and greet that you did with The Strand. So let me tell you. I did a meet and greet with The Strand where you bought a book, you got it signed, and you did, like, a virtual because it was COVID. We sold 200 books, okay? So That's 200. And... Uh, I was doing it to support The Strand. Remember that whole campaign, Support The Strand? They were almost going out of business during COVID. So I'm over here helping local indie bookshops and the New York Times is punishing me. I don't think that's why you have the dagger. That's what That, that was truly the only reasonable explanation no, that my the, publisher could come up with. Look at everyone else who has a dagger. Like it's just people. It's because I'm like a controversial it's queen. It's people who they begrudgingly have to put on the list. They could not deny the sales numbers. And if you look at the New York Times list versus Amazon and something's number one on Amazon and it's not on the New York Times list, it's like... Who yeah, lied? No, they were, Who lied? Yeah. I, that was like really upsetting, especially because then everyone's like, she got her um back, like family money. Like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> first of all, I'm literally like a financially independent queen since I've been 18. So eat my fucking ass with a big dirty fork, you slut. And like, I did it. Like, can I just have one accomplishment that's mine? Like, I actually did it. I sold tons of books, like, because it was really good. I worked really hard on it. Like, please fuck off. Yeah. And like it's it has occurred to me just don't to like forget the big dirty fork <laughs> with because you're a big dirty slut. Like it has occurred to me because like every week I would get from like the six months that we started sell three months in advance that we started selling the book I would get like a sales report every week. Like I have the proof. Like I didn't buy my own fucking book, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> she has a storage unit full of books. Right. No. Oh, and then like I. Like every author, I got a box of my own books like a couple weeks before the book came out. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. I probably had a total of 25 books. She's not even ashamed. She's posting that she bought her own book. First of all, uh, it's my book, bitch. I didn't have to pay for it. And two, it came straight from the warehouse, not from like an Amazon, not from a retailer. I get copies of my own book like I need them. Right. And you need to give them to the redheads so we can prepare for your episode. I need to do redheads. I need to do influencer gifting. Like, And I just like in my house, I have like a shelf of like, 10 or 15 copies of my own book because um, that's, I think that's where the dagger came from. A hundred percent. The dagger conversation. It's, it's actually really crazy how I used to really truly judge other people who had them. And now I'm questioning every dagger. No, when you see a dagger, you question the New York times. Yeah. Don't question the author. And I'm sure that there are people like, like Quinn. I feel like it happened. Yeah. Like Quinn, I feel like it happens in like, you know, entrepreneur, um, like crypto people, I feel like they do it. I don't know why. They're just like hustle culture, like rise, grind. And they buy their own books and like give them out in the street. Like I feel like they're definitely people who do it. I swear on my fucking life that I literally, it was not me. Like I did not do that. Yeah. No, we know. And if I did, I like wouldn't be bringing it up. Like we would like skirt around the conversation yeah, no, of the dagger. The word dagger wouldn't have come out of my mouth today. <laughs> literally. But like I truly have nothing to hide except for my chin and my moles. But... <laughs> Besides that. Well, 
I need to read that Coho piece. Yes. Oh, sorry. That's what we were talking about. It was really interesting. Speaking of books, Redhead's merch is dropping tomorrow. I'm wearing another sickening sweatshirt from the collection. The collection has been posted at the Redhead's Instagram. You can see all the sweatshirts that are dropping. We have a long sleeve. We have hat. We have tote. We have accessories. And it's a really wonderful drop. I, I love, like, I love this sweatshirt. I love the one I wore yesterday. It's just, like, so cool and It's sickening. Sporty and literate. Sporty and literate and cool. I got to send one to Ben. (sighs) He'll be staying at your house this weekend. Yeah, he would. Yeah, but he would never wear it it. because he's so stubborn. Because he's so stubborn. But maybe he can't read what it says. (laughs) Oh, totally. (laughs) Say, I got you this new uh, giant sweatshirt. Knicks. (laughs) The Knicks. The Knicks. (laughs) Yeah, I bought it at MSG. Enjoy. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so tomorrow, shopmorningtoast.com. See you there, redheads. And I feel as though without a did it nope. I feel as though without further a did it did it do, I am ready. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready for the fast five stories that you need to know. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Clinique, the even better clinical dark spot interrupter. If you have dark spots, it can often feel like a vicious, vicious cycle. As soon as one fades, another one pops up. But you can break the cycle with the Clinique Even Better Clinical Dark Spot Interrupter. This powerful serum works from melanin-rich to fair skin, and it helps visibly correct dark spots like acne marks while protecting from future discoloration. So I suffer from dark spots. I get them from the sun. A lot of people get them for different reasons, and it's really impossible to get rid of them. And if you do successfully get rid of a dark spot, another one pops up like the next day. Um, And that's why the Clinique Even Better Clinical Dark Spot Interrupter is fabulous, because Clinique is a brand that you can trust. There's skincare is fabulous and it has proven results. So 94% of people demonstrated an improvement in radiance and visible skin tone, including acne marks in eight weeks. And you can see an overall 40% visible reduction in dark spots in 12 weeks. They also have the damage eraser, which is the CL302 brightening complex. It is more concentrated. It has boosted technology to deliver dramatic brightening results, yet it is still gentle enough for all skin types. It is free of oil, generated alcohol, SLS, LSES, sulfates, parabens, flathlates, fragrances. It is oil-free, non-acnegenic, fast-absorbing, and it is dermatologist-developed. So you can get even better clinical dark spot interrupter this holiday season for you or someone in your life who maybe is working on their skincare. It's available at Clinique.com, and that product, again, is the even better clinical dark spot interrupter at Clinique.com. Today's episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life, and that's why BetterHelp is here, and they are sponsoring today's episode. So thank you so much to BetterHelp, because a therapist can help you become a better problem-solver. They can make it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. So whatever it is that inspires you to start therapy, whether it's someone in your life who really recommends it or something you've just been wanting to do to get the tools to help you tackle everyday life, um, check out BetterHelp. Because it is a great option that is convenient, accessible, affordable, and the best part is that it's done entirely online. You can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime. For me, that's one of the greatest benefits of BetterHelp. If you've done therapy, you know not always are you going to be matched and the first person is the perfect match for you. Not every therapist is going to be the best fit for you. So they make it really easy and like not awkward to switch, which is really great and a huge benefit over in-person therapy. So whether you want to be a better problem solver, whatever it is that makes you interested in therapy, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com toast today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash toast. Because when you can learn how to find your own solutions in life, there is no better feeling when faced with a challenge. So that's better help. H-E-L-P dot com slash toast. Betterhelp.com slash toast to get 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash T-O-A-S-T. Thank you, McClardia. You're welcome. First story, Olivia Wilde shares her special salad dressing recipe in response to her former nanny's allegations. Olivia Wilde is sharing the recipe for a special salad dressing, which turns out to be taken from a classic novel about divorce. So we spoke yesterday about all these allegations the nanny made about Olivia and Jason's marriage, including one where she made a salad for Harry, went to bring it to him, and Jason laid under her car. So Olivia posted a screenshot of the book that it's from, which is Heartburn by uh, Nora Nora Ephron. Ephron. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And it has the ingredients for how to make this salad dressing. Mix two tablespoons gray papan, mustard with two tablespoons good red wine vinegar. Then whisk consistently with a fork. Slowly add six tablespoons of olive oil until the vinaigrette is thick and creamy. This makes a very strong vinaigrette that's perfect for salad greens like arugula and watercress and endive. I I like that she's like playing into this drama um, and like kind of like lightening the situation a little bit. But I believe it was she who said, you know, the Internet is sufficiently nourished. I don't need to be feeding it. And it looks like you're doing just that. She both gave it literally a salad. And metaphorically. She gave the Internet a salad. What is it? What was it that she said? I feel like the Internet is sufficiently nourished. I don't need to keep feeding it. Something not to that, contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she is contributing. She is contributing, but honestly, in a pretty great way. Uh, I don't know, like, whoever approved this PR, if it was all her, like, that's that's how you address, like, something and make light of it, and we all can move on. It's like when Leah Michelle finally started, like, addressing the fact that she can't read. Yeah. It took her a little too long. It did. It did. And, I mean, on the one hand, like, uh, like, the claims that the nanny made, I feel like they were the... Jason and Olivia had said, like, they're scurrilous and untrue and this and that. And then on the other hand, like, here's the salad that got Jason right, so to lay under the car. She, right. So there was a salad. So what else is true? <laughs> it was a salad. Did you just see Leah Michelle got bangs? I did. I thought she looked great. She did look really great. But she always looks great. She does. But it's very, you know, life imitating art. It's giving Rachel Berry. Yeah. But she, her makeup was, like, snatched. Like, she could have yeah. had a pixie cut, honestly. She's really becoming like the darling of the New York City like theater scene. She's out every night performing at different events, galas, charity events, TV shows. And it must be nice, you know? Yeah, are you jealous? No, no, no. <laughs> people who need people are the luckiest people in the world they keep having her perform that song like on tv on the today show she did at this charity event and i wonder why i wonder why too well i think she's getting in all her press before that documentary comes out a hundred (laughs) percent i also think they probably don't want to spoil don't rain on my parade and like give it away for free also maybe there's something about don't rain on my parade that doesn't maybe translate on tv or it's too involved like you need more maybe this is just an easier song to run onto the day show and sing right but i also do think it's like giving the the cow away for free the milk to do don't rain on my brain right because that's really what people go to say i don't know but it's already out there her glee version it's actually incredibly different in what ways 
in the um, arrangement, but also just in the vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's not she's like, like sauntering down the aisle, saving the glee no, club once again. She's like this, like in the moment, she's decided to give up on her career and go find her man, which was a huge mistake. And she's like so excited and she's throwing her life away. And it's like in glee, she's like being a star. But in this, she's just being fanny, you know? You know what it's giving? Hmm. The girl who didn't go to Paris. Yeah. Because she stayed with Jason Lawler. No, she's literally like going back to Mr. Arnstein, even though he's like a gambler and a crook. Also, that was a cultural shift when Elsie didn't go to Paris. You know, we had this conversation yesterday on The Toast, if you missed it, um, about like moments in pop culture and just general moments in media that we look back on and realize they truly shaped us as people. Mm -hmm. And we asked people on Instagram to share what moments they experienced that had that same effect. We got over 3,000 comments, and I'm just curious like where all these um, commenters have been the past couple of weeks, but okay. Um, and these are the moments that people really identified with. Yes. Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey getting a divorce. I was a little young. The Brad Angelina Jen saga. Yeah. This is a good one. The Bad Romance music video. That is a good one. Lady Gaga did a few things. Oh yeah, and Lady Gaga, like when she was popping off, like she was shifting the culture. Yeah. Oh, Ashley Simpson lip syncing on SNL. Yes. That was crazy. Um, Oh, I didn't watch Bachelor back then, but I imagine if you did, Jason breaking up with with Melissa on live TV for Molly was like huge. I remember that, but I hadn't watched their season, but I just remember. And I just remember thinking like, there's no way that this isn't staged, like that he would actually humiliate one girl and that the other girl would like be so down for him, even though she was, but now I don't think it was staged. No. A lot of people said that Jamie Lynn Spears getting pregnant in the ending of Zoe 101. I was going to say that yesterday. That did come to mind. I totally agree. Yeah, I thought that was a really good one. Uh, This is a good one, too. When Justin Bieber visited the Anne Frank house and said that she'd have been a believer. Honestly. That really was. He's not wrong. No. Honestly, he's not wrong. Like, that's the whole point. Like, she should have had this pure life and she was hiding from Nazis in the floor. Yeah. Oh, and then most people did say Britney's head shaving yes, umbrella course. breakdown. Of course. Though at the time, I, I, could, I didn't understand what that was about because I was five. This was a good one, too. When pumpkin spit on New York yes. in Flavor of Love, mm-hmm. it forever changed mm-hmm. me. Honestly, same. Yep. And then somebody else, when Lauren didn't go to Paris. Oh, someone said that? On, good. Yes. The comments on there were like really taking me back, like down memory lane. Someone had said when Nick Jonas announced he had diabetes. Diabetes. I think for a lot of Nick Jonas fans, like that was a heart-wrenching moment. I do feel like um, when they announced that, like they didn't really specify that it was like not the type of diabetes you die from, but like the one that you live with. Yeah. That makes your life really hard. Um, So a lot of people thought he was going to die. Oh, I don't remember thinking that. I feel like they specified the stage. I don't remember. Okay. Or maybe just like the young kids, the young girlies weren't listening. All yeah, they heard no, was they diabetes. Just, yeah, and then they turned it off. Yeah, wailing. Anyways, that was a fun trip down memory lane. It was. Thank you all for sharing. And I think yesterday I spoiled the OC for two people, but sorry. I know. Well, that out. was another conversation I wanted to have. I feel like we've spoken about this a lot, but like, you know, I was thinking recently about starting Gilmore Girls. And I feel like if somebody said, you know, Rory dies, she doesn't. But like, let's say, like, I can't be mad at them. I'm literally 20 years late. You can't be mad. Like, when does the spoiler alert statue of limitations expire? I say five years. 
So do I. So like people being like, not me, literally on season one of the OC while listening to the toast. Like, yeah, Marissa dies. Hallelujah. And they play a beautiful song. Hallelujah. I thought they played um, Imogen Heap. What you say. Yeah. Yeah, I think when he walks away, it's that. But then it's Hallelujah for something else. And then there's that other song that they play. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's so many songs. There's so many songs that I associate with the, with it the OC. It was like very music oriented. Oh, this one. Like a champagne supernova in the sky. Yes. There's so many songs, obviously. California. Um, and you know what else was a cultural shift for me? Hmm. Do you remember that show, Cheyenne? Yeah. I'm hanging on, on today. today. Literally, that show was so good. It was. Nothing's gonna stop me anyway. I'm holding on. I'm strong. So good. Everyone should do the hanging on challenge. I'm, I'm hanging, hanging on today. <laughs> but nothing's gonna stop. This is like when Gen Z and millennial collide. Gen Z is vomiting. Vomiting. I feel like vomiting. That's my favorite line for my favorite That was a movie. cultural reset. For us. For no one for us. but us. From Heartbreakers no us. when the old man realizes he's being conned and he's like, I feel like vomiting. It's the, and he's like in his underwear too. Yeah, it's and the best line. Dies. <laughs> right, spoiler alert. 50 year old movie, the man dies. Um, but also that's just another thing. I think it like really varies from family to family. Like what quotes from movies stick with you? Like, hey, look at me. Yeah, hey, which is the now most she's getting to my Clams Casino. Clams Casino. Both are like the two most obscure lines from Shallow Hell that like no one would recall. Wait, this is the most obscure line that we're obsessed with in our family from Borat. I'll do it. I don't give a fuck. I'll I don't do give it. A fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like literally like from Borat, everyone's like, oh, it's very nice. Like us. No, we're quoting that like one college kid who was in the RV. He was like, I'll do it. I don't give a fuck. I'll do it. <laughs> It's so random. <laughs> oh, wow. And you know what was the ultimate cultural reset? Mm. Like, you know, back in the day, they had the Industrial Revolution. They did. We had Sleepover, the movie. I That actually was like a shift in in the planet. Like, I, it was so big. So big. Like, and so important. When you zoom out and like through the th lens of the Big Bang Theory, you could still you see, see the movie Sleepover. Sleepover. 100%. You see the speaker guy asking Yancey if she prefers celery over brownies. And you see Steve being like, Julie, Julie Corkate. <laughs> <laughs> you could see it all. I, I think she was in our grade school bus. Oh my so God. Cool. Damn. Always comes back to Sleepover. That is the true takeaway from today's episode. Because we intentionally bring it back. Right. Like, yeah. Okay, ready for our next story? Mm-hmm. 
Matthew Perry is on the cover of People opening up about his opioid overuse and this weeks he secretly spent in a coma. So friend star Matthew Perry has given his first tell-all interview in which he details how his drug and alcohol addictions secretly nearly cost him his life. The star 53 revealed he was given just a 2% chance of survival after an opioid addiction caused his colon to burst when he was age 49, leaving him in a coma for two weeks and spending months in a hospital, a fact which his legions of fans were unaware of. After suffering from a gastrointestinal perforation, Matthew said he had to use a colostomy bag for nine months, has now had 14 surgeries on his stomach in total, and been to rehab 15 times in a bid to get clean. The actor, the now sober actor, detailed his decades-long battle to rid himself of the disease of addiction. When he was first admitted to the hospital, he said, the doctors told my family that I had a 2% chance to live. I was put on a thing called an ECMO machine, which does all of the breathing for your heart and lungs. And that's called a Hail Mary. No one survives that. He said, I wanted to share when I was safe from going into the dark side of everything again. Mm -hmm. By the way, Matthew Perry should really write a book. One, because he had like this insane fame Mm -hmm. and this insane shit going on at the exact same time. Like if you watch, I feel like I've said this before, this is turning into like one of my dentist stories. Like the final episode of season five of Friends takes place on the same like fictional day as season one of episode six. It's like the same night. Um, And Matthew Perry in like the three months that they have off has like gained and lost 40 pounds and you can see how like his addiction is taking such a toll on his body because like Chandler when he proposes to Monica they go out to celebrate he proposes at the season finale and then the first episode of the next season they go out to celebrate that night two different people yeah and it's like only a few months he said at one point during his friend's career he admits he was taking 55 Vicodin a day and was down <gasps> to 128 pounds but yet he didn't know how to stop oh my god he said the friend's castmates were understanding and they were patient as he got older and struggled with his disease. Yeah, I would really love a book from Matthew Perry. I feel like it would be really good. Yeah. Have any of the Friends cast members written books? I don't think like memoirs, no. Yeah. I mean, it was a fascinating time in in pop culture history. And then also... It was a cultural reset? Not for me, because Friends premiered in, like, what, 1998, and I was four years old. Like, I only came to Friends when I was in college. Yeah. I do think for everyone who watched it live, it was... And you know who watched it live? Me. What? Yeah, we used to watch it. Friday nights on the WB. What are you talking like, about? Me and no, we didn't. Yeah, we did. Oh. You were probably there, but, like, you weren't... No one, you weren't, like, handling the remote or anything. Like, irrelevant. Yeah, irrelevant. Wait, you watched Friends? I think so, because I remember... No, the WB. I have memories. By the way, it wasn't on WB. It was on NBC. Really? Yeah. Well, we were watching the WB. Maybe they played reruns on the WB. Maybe. I think we only yes, had we one were watching channel. The WB. And it was the WB. No, we didn't only have one channel. We were only like allowed to watch one channel. No, we, and we didn't w- even need another channel. Like we were happy with the WB. It's funny Buffy how we like vampire. when we first started watching. Well, obviously we watched like kids programs like Barney and stuff. But then like when we were like ten, we watched WB. And then when we were like fourteen, fifteen, we watched Disney Channel. Like. You're right. It should be the opposite. We're like age backwards. Yeah, and then after Disney we went to like CW. Maybe it was because the W. But where was the Degrassi years? I would say Degrassi years were like right before Disney Channel because like right when Hannah Montana came on, like you couldn't catch us watching anything else. No, we were so so loyal. Mm-hmm. But we also would watch the OC during that time. Yeah, we were busy kids. Yeah, we were busy. We loved television. 
We did. Like, we watch a lot of TV, and I think that's why we do what we do for a living. Because, like, we had TVs in our bedrooms growing up, and, like, nobody else did. But I feel like I had the TV in my room, but I never watched that TV. Like, I only recall as a kid watching with you guys. No, but, like, when you were in high school, you had a oh, TV in your room? yeah, in high school. But I think a lot of people in high school have I don't think so. TVs in their room. But like, no, when I was like kid, kid, I had a TV in my room and I never turned it on. Now kids have like a laptop, so they don't really, or like it's an different. iPad. They don't need a television. Yeah. No, but I do, I do feel like, and I was thinking about it when I was reading Gary Janetti's book, because he talks so much about how he literally ran the home, basement television, ran home from school life. just to watch TV, like lived yeah. one, like 364 days for one when they would like play the Wizard of Oz on Christmas. Yeah. And I wonder, like, I feel like some kids who watch so much TV, like, it turns into being this like whole new world for them and we do what we do, he does what he does probably because they watch. Yeah. But other kids who watch so much TV, it's not so much. What do you They're mean? They're just like TV addicts. Well, no, they, they like go to Comic-Con. No, they just like, like it's, they don't. Are not social? Yeah, like. What are you trying to say? I'm just Spit trying it to out, say they're just like couch potatoes. Weird. Couch potatoes. There, I said it. Yeah, I guess. Maybe that'll be us, though, in 10 years. Like, who knows? I think we're a little young to be couch potatoes currently. Yeah, and I always, like, now, as a mom, I'm like, okay, I don't want my kids to watch right. a lot of TV, but it's like... That'll fade. We watched a lot of TV, and I think it only added to... Yeah. Where, I mean, I wonder what we could have done if we weren't watching all that TV. Uh, right, like, I could... We probably could have been, like, the next Mia Ham. Yeah, we kind of would have been, like, Ilona Musk. Literally. I do... Um, I do find solace in the fact knowing like I'll never become a couch potato because I hate sitting on my couch. You're a bed potato. <laughs> I'm a bed potato. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I'm showing early stages of bed potato. I love that for you. Me too. Um, and so check out People Magazine for Matthew Perry's full interview. Yeah. I, I feel like it needs to be a book. I agree. Speaking of interviews, Meghan Markle's on the cover of Variety Magazine. Did you see? No. And she is sharing some revelations, including Prince Harry's in and out obsession. Though that is not the major headline here. First, she's done with acting, she says. She was asked if she'd consider acting again, to which she responded. Oh, I never thought of that. To which she responded, quote, no, I'm done. I guess never say never, but my intention is absolutely not. I don't see why she would need to. I don't know. I feel like... I would have thought that she would be open to it. Well, I just would have thought she's the type of gal who like would train at a, like a talent or a skill for many years and not give it up. Yeah, and like that's her passion is acting. And now I, I don't think it is. Oh, I well, I just would have assumed since that's what she was doing. And people who act like love love like the, the art theater. Yeah, and the I mean she's podcasting and doing a reality show. So right, why not? And I'm sure now like. She could have any part. Any job she wants. That's a good point. No, I don't. I never thought about it. To me, like I just assumed the chapter was closed. Yeah, I did too until she became a podcasting reality star. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but she said she's not done with Hollywood because they signed the multi-year deal with Netflix and the Duchess discussed the docuseries helmed by director Liz Garbus that will center on the couple. She said this, which was interesting, quote, it's nice to be able to trust someone with our story, a seasoned director whose work I've long admired, even if it means it may not be the way we would have told it. But that's not why we're telling it. We're trusting our story to someone else, and that means it will go through their lens. It's interesting. My husband has never worked in this industry before. For me, having worked on Suits, it's so amazing to be around so much creative energy and to see how people work together and share their own points of view. 
I feel like she's already trying to like put out the narrative, like get ahead of this docu-series being like, that's not our version of events by saying that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, to be completely honest, I have literally no idea what she just said. The second, okay, this is the old, this is the most, what I mean. It's nice to be able to trust someone with our story, even if it means it may not be the way we would have told it. But like, it's your contract. She's, 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 it's, like, she's like preemptively saying like she doesn't like it. No, she's preemptively saying like, if you don't like it, I didn't do it. Yeah, like distance. If there's a problem with it, it's Liz's lens. Yeah, blame Liz. That's how Liz sees it. No, not her throwing Liz under the bus before the show even premieres. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm so looking forward to this TV show. Like you have no idea. Um, I am like constantly feeling like Megan is saying sentences full of nothing. Like she the loves the word salad with Nora. Word salad. What was that first sentence that you just like when you were reading it? I was like, what? Um, no, I thought the, that the first half was more meaty than the second half. The first half, she said, it's nice to be able to trust someone with our story, a seasoned mm-hmm. director whose work I've long admired, even if it means that it may not be told the way we would have told it. Um, this next part, I think that's this next salad. part is three sentences that could have been one, but that's not why we're telling it. We're trusting our story to someone else. And that means it will go through their lens. Yeah. Um, I, I just need to see the show, like for real. Like I need to see the show. There's been like lots of reports that it's like they're having, you know, creative differences. I need to see the show. Yeah, they're literally like, I'll read page six and like the stories are next to each other. And one, it's like uh, Megan and Harry slam in the royal family and new docuseries. Like one, they want to push it back. And then the next one is like docuseries is coming out on time. Like Megan and Harry love it. And it's like, which is Do it? Do you guys talk? Like, which is it? I, I don't think anything that I'm reading about this docuseries I can is trust real. until I, I agree. see the work. I completely agree. I I am still, like, living in the space that, like, Prince Harry is a reality star. Like, for me, it's so lowbrow. I, I'm shocked. Like, honestly, if somebody offered me a reality show, like, even I, I probably wouldn't do it. Like, it's so, even even at Netflix, like, it's so tacky. No, I know. And up until now, like, the beauty of their show is, like, it's, they get to share their story, their truth, and, like, their side of things. And we get to see them in a way that they want us to see them. And now they're saying, like, they don't even have that editorial control. It's Liz's lens. Right. Like, so why, so you're just, like, a, a real housewife. No, you're, like, literally Alexis Nyers. Like, you're just a person on a reality show. Yeah, no. And so for for Prince Harry to be that, like, I just, I didn't see that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think that they do have a lot of creative control, but I do think that this is like a good way of sowing the seeds of being like, Liz did that. Right. There's a fall woman. There's a fall woman. Excuse me. Oh my goodness. She I think also I'm getting said, bored by Meghan and Harry. Like I'm, I'm, I've reached my limit almost. I know, but like she... Is everywhere. She's everywhere and she's like on the cover of Variety like talking about all of these things. She said that she'd be fine if her kids got into the entertainment industry. She said that her and Harry share a home office. So, you know, they're fighting a lot. Oh, my God. Why? Um, By the way, the, I don't like. What? No, never mind. I was going to say something mean. Okay. Uh, she said that Harry loves In-N-Out Burger. And um, she shared. Remember she did an interview with The Cut? 
and people found it to be snarky. I forget what she had said specifically, but she addressed it and said the New York uh, Magazine story was intended to support archetypes and focus on our projects. I've had some time to reflect on it. Part of me is just really trusting, really open. That's how I move in the world. I have to remember that I don't ever want to become so jaded that that piece of me goes away. So despite any of those things, onward, I can survive it. Again, there's no end to the sentence. She's it's saying if she words. came off snarky in the interview, it's because like she was too trusting with the ma- the magazine that they would, and like too open. Okay. Um, cool. I'm wishing them the best. Cannot wait for the TV show to come out. Agreed. Are you ready for our next story? Yes, ma'am. It's a little worthy royal news because Daniel Craig has received his royal honor from Princess Anne saying, we've been expecting you. It's beautiful. Daniel Craig now has another thing in common with James Bond. With a thoughtful and poignant nod to his screen character, the late Queen Elizabeth made Daniel Craig a companion of the Order of St. Michael and St. George in January, just like the fictional spy. On Tuesday, the British star received his honor from the Queen's daughter, Princess Anne, at an investiture ceremony held at Windsor Castle. The royal family's official social media pages used a famous phrase from the Bond movies as they shared a photo of Craig's appearance at the castle. They wrote in the caption, we've been expecting you. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Only would have been more perfect if Queenie herself. If the queen. But honestly, I would have assumed he already had one of these, you know? Yeah. But it's cool. It's really like, life imitating art, you know? Yeah. Does this but when I when I think about like the celebrities who like have been knighted or just like recognized, I would throw him in there, you know, Elton John, the Beckhams, Dame Judi Dench and Daniel Craig, like I would have already assumed. Yeah. I th- he was been well on his People way. People making I think, the UK proud. Yeah, and you need to put in the work. And I think also you need to be like a queenophile. You have to prove your loyalty. You have to have respect. Like we know now David Beckham has the utmost respect for the queen. Obsessed. I wonder if James Corden has respect for the queen. That's a really, really good point. I mean... Since he's yesterday, I was seeing so many more things of people being like, no, there's been rumors in the UK that he's yeah. like a menace... For years, like this is not the first we're hearing of it. But it's- and then that clip was going viral of him, truth, truth or spill, like where Zipper, that show. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, but he, he was the one doing it, and Stephen Colbert was interviewing him. It was like either drink this sperm or name at least two of your cameramen, and he didn't know their names. That's disgusting. You've been on the show what for five years already? Like, yeah. Wow. So I think I think we might be onto something here. I think we have the the new Ellen. Yeah. Crazy. Anyways, yeah. happy for Daniel Craig. Happy for the royal family, like staying on top of all yeah. relevant press. Stay winning. Stay winning. Are you ready for our fifth and final story? Yes. Ramona Singer yes. trashes the Roni spinoff, calls it quote the loser show. Sorry, it was so funny. So funny. Roni alum Ramona Singer shared her unfiltered thoughts on Bravo's plan for a legacy spinoff that features OG stars of the Bravo reality show. She said, quote, I've been there for a long time. I mean, never say no, never say never. But I also feel like the legacy show, how could it really be good? The people they are going to bring back are the people they didn't want to renew anyways. So now what? Are you going to call it the loser show? The loser legacy? She's not wrong. Well, first of all, the vibe that I got is that Ramona officially knows that she is 
not being asked to return because now she's, you know, speaking, doing press mm-hmm. and making it seem like, you know, she in this interview was filled with really juicy. She's like, honestly, I, I don't know if I would return for the OG show. I in the in the year that we've been off, I've really enjoyed not being on TV. I've, I know this sounds crazy, but I don't really like attention. Like I can't go to dinner. I can't go on dates like. It it sounded a little delusional. Like, and not believable. But some of the quotes, like, from her presence on this podcast, like, sound really grounded and not very Ramona-like, you know? No, like, if they're genuine, it sounds like she's completely changed. Right. She said, I don't know if I want to do it again for a lot of reasons. I'm much calmer now that I haven't done the show. I know this is an oxymoron, but I really don't like being recognized. She said, now that the show's been off, all of a sudden, people aren't bugging me. Are you Ramona? I know you're on a date, but can I have a photo? I don't like all the attention. And guess what? The men I date don't like all the attention. Even my girlfriends don't. She said she used to go out and like 20, her friends would be like 20 people came up to her. And now it's like one person comes up to her. She also said that she didn't enjoy interacting with the media during her tenure as a housewife. She said, quote, I really don't like the press. The press stressed me out with all of that stuff. That was really, really hurtful and made me really unhinged. I mean, unhinged. And I realize now I'm so much more relaxed. All my friends say I'm 50% more calmer. I still have high energy, but I'm not as hard ass. There's something more gentle and I'm actually able to date now in a better way. I also feel like this jives with what we were saying about her presence at BravoCon, where it's like she didn't suck all the air yes. out of the room. We barely knew that she was there because she's just like this calm That's actually person true. now. That's actually a very good point. And I think her point that she originally made about the Loser Show is an excellent point. Like, so, yeah, it's sad because all these OG women are, like, iconic, but Andy himself said this is the lowest rated season in Housewives history. So people actually don't care. So you're going to make a whole separate show that nobody cares about. And Ramona, I don't believe is returning. Sonia and Luann have their own show. So it's like, you don't really need this. Who else is there? I think they're going to bring Dorinda. I know. I don't know. But. And honestly, Leah, now that I think about it, really is better suited with this new crew. Yes, for sure. I don't think she wants to be on, and I think she will be on Legacy, but maybe, like, since Legacy would be on Peacock, they have a lower threshold for viewing requirements. And the Roni Legacy crew, like, does have an established audience, though, dwindling. Like, there is an audience, as opposed to coming up with a whole new concept for a show. Yeah, that's true. I forgot that it was going to be on Peacock. That's a good point. And I think that eventually Roni started to go downhill because they had these like women who are friends for 20, 30 years who have these erratic sort of fights. And then Mm -hmm. they also have like two or three new people who are expected to just jump right in. And they have to keep evolving and bringing on new people, but you can't blend the two groups. Make both work. It's just, it's erratic. So they had to make a choice and they chose both, but just to split it up. Yeah, no, but that's I, a good I think point. that maybe if they had just, if they had even chose the OGs and moved forward with just being like, you know what, we're going to have these women who you guys know for however many years and we're not going to keep trying to bring in fresh blood. We just like, we'll let them do their thing. Maybe that would have been better than what we saw in season 13, which was like trying to make something happen, trying to make fetch happen. Yeah, I'm just curious who the legacy people are going to be because I don't think it's going to be Ramona. And like, is it going to be Jill? Maybe. I think it will be Luann and Sonia. They need to promote their other show. Their other show yeah, is Yeah, Luann, Sonia, like, Dorinda. Luann, Sonia, Dorinda. Maybe Jill. Like, maybe Kelly. I don't think Kelly would ever return. Maybe Cindy Barshop. I know you would love that. I wish. I know you would love it's it. It's interesting. Um, 
so yes, I I appreciated Ramona's renewed POV. If it if it was genuine, it definitely sounded like she's changed quite a bit in the last year. Yeah, I don't think she'll be. And on your the point sh- about BravoCon is great. I don't think she'll be on the show because then she will have just called herself a loser. Yeah, uh, and that actually makes me even less excited than it was. Me too. Because she's the only New York housewife who has been a main castmate mate since season one. Okay, like I agree. People say that Luann because was there friend was of. one season where Luann got demoted to friend of, but she still brought it. I consider Luann to be like that's semantics. She was still on that season, and she was at the reunion. Just saying, it's semantics, sure, but it's also factual. Um, well, those were the past five stories. You definitely needed to know them. And we still don't go anywhere. Have Dear Toasters, which is our advice segment that you can write into deartoasters at gmail.com. And we'll do our best to help you out for whatever it is that you're going through. Dear Toasters is brought to you by Noom. People will try almost anything to lose weight. Insane workouts, eating nothing but grapefruit, questionable teas. But if you're looking for a more sustainable approach, Noom Weight is ready to help. Their psychology-based approach empowers you with knowledge and support to build lasting results. You can't erase the past or change who you are, and Noom Weight gets that. So every journey is different, and each person has a different goals. I know a lot of people want to get healthy to fit into their clothes better, to be more active, to keep up with their kids. Whatever the reason is, it's not always the number on the scale. And instead of demanding the same strict regimen or drastic changes from everyone, with Noom, you'll get a personalized program that empowers you to build more sustainable habits. That's how they've helped more than 3.6 million people and counting lose the weight. You'll get long-term results, and they come from more flexible solutions. So Noom Weight focuses on progress instead of perfection. Progress isn't a straight line. Off days are totally normal and they are a part of the process. Noom Weight is just going to help you get back on track so you don't have to spiral feeling bad and then undo everything that you've done because you had one bad day. It's not a big deal. You could choose the level of support that you get from Noom from five-minute daily check-ins to even personal coaching. And the science says it all. Noom's weight approach is based on scientific principles like cognitive behavioral therapy to help you better understand your relationship with food. They've published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about their methods and the effectiveness. 95% of customers say Noom weight is a a good long-term solution, and active Noomers lose an average of 15 pounds in 16 weeks. Jackie, I know that you have gotten really into your Noom postpartum in like the last month. Yeah, thank you for noticing. Looking stunning, always, <laughs> at, always. Uh, yes, I love Noom. I personally love to use it when I'm trying to hold myself accountable and also keep track of what I'm doing so I can look at it at a glance and see, you know, if I'm not getting the results that I want, where I could make changes, where I'm working out versus how much I'm eating and what I'm eating, you know, what the calories consist of. And Noom is the best app for that to keep everything on track. I'm just like, I feel like mentally like, Noom is like my internal planner, you know, mm-hmm. like I have my planner for my external activities, my Noom for my internal activities. And currently I'm in the season of rising and grinding and Noom is the perfect pal to help keep you accountable, but also like is a good friend to know that nobody's perfect and they don't expect it- perfection. If you're done trying everything to lose weight, then try Noom Weight. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash toast. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash toast to sign up for your trial today. Noom, what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? I've also recommended Noom to so many friends who um, might be like for the first time trying to lose weight and and don't know where to start. I'm like, Mm -hmm. start with Noom. With Noom. Because there's so much information out there and also in order to like, go on a, you know, 
to lose weight or go on a diet, like you need some of this educational material, which Noom has. It's hard to, you don't know where to start when you've never done it before. Um, are you ready? We're going to change some lives. And this one I think is uh, something a lot of people relate to, a lot of engaged girlies. Hello, Jackson Clurd. I'm engaged and getting married in New York City next summer. The situation is that I absolutely hate my fiance's last name so much that I can't even say my new, ma my new name out loud. I like literally combust when I put, first put my first and new last name together. I feel terrible because my fiance knows that I hate it, but it's important to him that I change it. I'm traditional in the sense that I want to change it too. I'm looking for advice on how to make my new name roll off the tongue and be proud of it, even if, it, even if I cannot physically say it out loud. Love you, girlies. This would be easier if we had your name, but of course we, we protect the privacy of all of our submissions. I need to know the name. I do have a friend who was in this exact situation. She goes by her maiden name. I literally had to pull out of her to ask what her husband's name was and... She eventually told me, but I would never Wait, know. Who like, are you talking about? Um, one of my friends down here. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick with your maiden name if it really, really bothers you. But also, like, I need to know. No, but also, like, married names don't just, like, sound right off the bat. Like, I feel like I'm still getting used to Claudia Soffer. Like, it takes time. And then by the time you get married and then eventually have kids, then you'll really feel like a family and it won't feel so weird. But of course, like, I think the people who change their Instagram name, like, the night of their wedding, it's, like, psychotic. Like, relax. No, it I takes have time. I have mad respect for it. I think if you're going to change your name, rip off the Band-Aid. Like, just go all the way in and start, like, change everything. And people will start to associate it. Like, even, like, Dana, who... Is Dana my best Wedman. friend for 10 she years. She made a new Gmail literally she, the she, night of her she wedding. She changed her Venmo. Like she changed everything. You don't have to do that. But like I actually really start to associate people with their new name. Like when they just rip off the bandit and they're like, call me that. Takes a while, but I get really used to it. And then I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe they used to be blah, blah, blah. No. It's and a rebrand and we it, love a rebrand. If the name is even better, it makes it so much easier. Lauren Lane. Yeah, but the, that's not her. this girl's problem. This girl's problem is she doesn't like how it is, period. Right. And I need to know what the last name is. I know. Um, and if you're just really, going to have to do it. If it's really that bad, then stick with your maiden name. Like, No, but she's traditional. Like, this is something that's important to her and her fiancé. So there's nothing you can do about it. Suck it up. Just make a choice. And then whatever choice you make, like, act like it's stick the coolest it. thing in the world. Like, if that is to your new name, whatever it is, even if it's duty balls. Like, right. Yeah, duty balls. Yeah. Jealous we, wench. Duty balls, party of five. And also at the end of the day, like you have a great man's and you're proud to be like, I am Mrs. Mrs. Judy Balls. Ball. And you wish you were. So true. Stunt on them other Judy Balls, okay? Just be, that's true. Like how you embrace it is, is how people perceive it. Like yes. if you're being like, oh, I know it's weird. Like everyone's gonna be like, yeah, it's weird. But no, if you're like proud and you just own that shit, like people respect that confidence. Yeah. So that's my advice. Hello, Jacqui McClurdy and the Strice Bros. <laughs> The Strice Brothers, they don't ever get their fucking ass up and work anymore. It's so hurtful. They know that these new chairs have no space for them. That's why. I love listening to you both every day. And here's my dilemma. After two years of dating my boyfriend, I've moved him to his place. And on the day of the move, he left to run some errands. I was unpacking and organizing my things in his home. And in one of the bedrooms, there was this old open backpack that had a bunch of random crap in it. Papers, a water bottle, an envelope, etc. Now that I was moving in, my motive was to get rid of things that were unnecessary, and this backpack was at the top of my list. Me, not being a snoop, but just wanting to make sure I didn't throw away anything of importance, I looked at what was in the envelope, and it was a prescription for Viagra. I was shook. 
When was this prescribed? Was it for my boyfriend? Lo and behold, it was under his name and the date of prescription was August 2022. Not that having erectile dysfunction is anything that bothers me. We're both in our early 30s, but I have never ever suspected him to have one. And me being a freak slash a normal girl, my mind ran laps. Does he have a secret life I don't know about? Why does he need this whenever I suspected he needed some assistance when we were together? Do I bring it up to him? I'm not really one to dust things under the rug. So I'm basically just asking how to bring it up. Sincerely, a kerfuffled toaster. I just want to say, I do think like if you're in a serious relationship and your man is on Viagra. Like, that's something that you should know. Of course. But you pretending like you're decluttering by going through his backpack is a joke. No, I don't agree with that at all. Like, I Ben's, I go through Ben's backpack because literally it turns into a pharmacy. He has, like, 45 bottles of zinc. Like, I think that there's you're totally... you wife. Like, they're moving in together. Right, but they're she's in the trying process. to, like, clean up his space. No, if it's, it wasn't his clean- current backpack. Also, it was an older backpack. Okay, so. but if Zach started cleaning up the, my, the bedroom and included going through my purse... Different, different. Okay. So different. I'm, I stand with this girl. I don't think she was being snoopy at all. Well, regardless, it doesn't matter how you got the information, even if it was illegally obtained. I don't think um, so. We have to deal with the information at hand. And I do think you should bring it up. Just uh, something that came to mind. At one point in the last few years, people were saying that Viagra was actually um, perhaps a, I don't, I'm not a doctor, but they were looking into it as a treatment for COVID. Oh, yeah. So maybe he had a bad bout of COVID and was trying, Ugh. you know, some alternative remedies. No, but if that were the case, like he would have told you that. But the fact that he didn't makes me think it's for the reason that Viagra is intended. ED but also sometimes people they might not have ED but they pop a Viagra just because they want to fuck all night long yeah very Samantha Jones I would have if this is a person that you're going to be very serious with I would find a way to bring it up in a yeah non-threatening way no but also like it would bother me that something like kind of serious would be kept from me um and I would feel as though the person needed to be reprimanded for that you know I think you need you would need to set aside your anger until you hear his reaction, you know, if he like starts like gaslighting you being like, well, why? Like you should know what health things are going on with your partner. And I just think you should just broach the subject. Yeah. I guess health is like confidential. Yeah. So like nobody has to tell you, but like if Ben was taking like, you know, cholesterol pills and didn't tell me, like I'd be like, what the fuck? But there's also a difference between a husband and a boyfriend. That's true. But moving in together is definitely. You're on the, you're getting to the serious. next level. So now things are turning serious. This is a time for maybe a serious conversation. And you did find yeah. out this information. And I, I think you should not hold on to it. No, approach it in like a very rational, calm You should be able way. to be open with him. So, yeah. And vice versa. Vi- vice versa. Viagra versa. Like you, you just approach it in like a calm, very rational, very tempered way. And I don't think it'll be like crazy. Yeah. All right, third and final, Dear Toasters. Jackson Claude, my husband likes to post unattractive photos of me on social media. The pictures are usually of me asleep on the couch with my dog. I have told him it is embarrassing and I wish he would at least check with me before posting. He doesn't understand why I get pissed about it. He says it is endearing and it warms his heart. I appreciate that he wants to share his feelings about how much he loves me on social media, but why can't he post a good fucking picture? Am I overreacting? Honestly... No, first of all, especially if like he exclusively posts ugly photos of you, like one every now and then is like funny. A pattern is like kind of diabolical. Yeah, this would not fly. No. And like maybe this is me looking into it so much, but it kind of makes me feel like he's 
like trying to make you feel ugly. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but like you've told him that it bothers you. He won't stop. And he exclusively posts photos of you sleeping on the couch with the dog. Like it, it feels like kind of like crazy ass manipulative. It could be totally innocuous, but it also could be like a really fucking psychotic manipulative thing to do. It could be. But it also could be like really sweet. Like he doesn't even notice that you don't look how you think is beautiful. Like he yeah, sees but if you she with- says this is bothering me and he doesn't stop, like that's rude. Yeah, but he just like sees you as beautiful no matter what you're doing, and like he just thinks that these pictures you sleeping on the couch with your dog is sweet, and he's just like trying to share it. I don't know if he's intentionally posting ugly pictures or the pictures he's taking happen to be ugly. Well, who looks beautiful while they sleep? And also, like, who posts, who takes a picture of someone while they're sleeping and posts it? Like, no, it's diabolical. Wait till I wake up. You get the approval. You just need to be like, I mean, I think Zach, like, Zach would never post a picture. It's oh also God. not his personality, but like, I, he knows, like, you can never he, post I've instilled the fear of God in Ben that anything he posts requires not one, but two approvals. Yeah, like, it, you cannot post an unauthorized photo. Of course not. Are you crazy? Right. He's trying to ruin my reputation? Yeah. No, he just needs to know what you're about. And, like, you're not about You have that, to lay down the law. You're not about that unauthorized life. Yeah, it's just, like, I, I feel like when it comes to men in social media, like, it can never be normal. Like either they're taking ugly pictures of you, either they won't post you. Like why can't you just be normal? Yeah. What's normal? Taking pictures. We both look at the photo, decide if we like it, and then we come up with a caption together. Yeah. And it's like always like a nice picture, maybe a wedding we were at. A dinner, something where we're all dressed up. Or we just moved into our house or we got a dog. We took a cute picture on self-timer that we all like. Life moments. Right. Like why can't they just be fucking normal? (laughs) Yeah. But not like we're not posting every day. No, or not at all. Some of them like won't even acknowledge their wives on social media. Right. But I feel like he's posting these pictures to maybe stories. So what's the protocol for stories of your partner? Stories require a different set of roles. I agree. Yeah, because they're more casual. So he's posting pictures of her sleeping. He's a little too casual. He's a little too comfortable, sir. And you have to lay down the law ASAP. You obviously just can't sleep in front of him. Right. No, now it's separate bedrooms. <laughs> um, so those were the, those were the dear toasters. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. And if you would like to write in, it's deartoasters at gmail.com. If you have written in and we have not gotten to you, it might be because A, you're uninteresting. <laughs> or no, I'm kidding. B, it's mostly because your submission is too long. Like I don't know if you guys saw this curd. Like it's not that long. It's like a paragraph at most. So try and keep it tight. Just the need to know information and resubmit and we'll do our best to get to you. Thank you to everyone. Have a great hump day. Jax, I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow's episode will still be normal in studio because my flight is right after the episode. So we'll do regular episode. Great. I was about to ask you. And then we'll be together for Friday and then all of next week and then Halloween. It's a Jackson Clurd special. Don't miss it. Thank you so much for listening to the Toast the Millennium Morning Show where we deliver the fast five stories that you need to know every Monday through Friday on YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're also available as podcasts anywhere podcasts can be found. So it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, iHeartRadio, CastBox, all the places where we listen to podcasts. Find us Morning Toast. Leave a five-star review about how beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. Hope you guys have an amazing hump day. Don't forget to hump someone you love, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.